Morning. Today we have the story of Jacob and Esau, Jacob's birth, and Isaac blessing Jacob and Esau. The story of Jacob is a very important one. It comes up time and time again in Scripture. It's also very important for us as Christians, for our comfort, for our understanding of our salvation and our life of faith. We're going we're gonna to see that in the story of Jacob. The story of Jacob is one of mistrust and deceit and trickery. Um, you see in the story of Jacob a family that is not working together the way it, that it ought to be. In the beginning, God made Adam and he said it's not good for Adam to be alone. He needs a helper comparable to him and made Eve for him. And he made Adam and Eve to be two people, a husband and wife. He made them to, to work together to love and support one another. And we don't see that in this story, do we? We don't see Isaac and Rebecca loving and supporting one another. Instead, instead, we see them at odds fighting one another. And that fight trickles down into their children as well. And so it disrupts the whole family unity and what God created to be a wonderful thing becomes a struggle. A lot of people see marriage as a struggle. I have to struggle to make sure I get my way. I have to struggle uh, to, make, to make sure that I stay on top. But that's not how God meant it to be. When we listen to God and we trust him and act the way that we're supposed to, God promises to work all things to are good. But when we take matters into our own hands and insist that, well, I know best or my way is right, so I have to make sure that my way wins, well, that causes dissension and grief and problems, and uh, it takes something that's good and, and creates strife. And that's really what we see in the story of Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau. The whole thing is strife and contention. As we're going through, you can ask the kids to think about what each person, there's four people involved here, and what each of them is doing wrong. And uh, what lessons we can learn about that. But in the end, however, God, of course, by his grace, brings through his glory, his promise of salvation anyway. Uh, in the end, it, it's God who brings the family back together. We're not going to get to that part this Sunday. Uh, the story of Jacob and Esau being reunited in, in a very loving way it doesn't come until, I'm sure that's in the next lesson, but it doesn't come in this lesson anyway. But more importantly, we see God maintaining that promise of the Messiah and the Savior uh, and bringing that promised line, bringing, one, bringing us one step closer to that Savior who would die for our sins so that even though our family and our marriages aren't what they ought to be, nevertheless we know that grace of God that can fix what we have broken and even more importantly forgive our sins and, and bring us into the eternal salvation. So one thing to look for is God's plan through this, as well as how each person in the family is seeking what they want themselves instead of work together in love. Another important aspect of the story of Jacob and Esau is the question of predestination. We're told in the New Testament that while they were still in the womb, before they were even born, God chose the younger. He chose Jacob. Uh, the idea of predestination is one that's hard for us to wrap our heads around. We often misunderstand it and misapply it. And, um, we know that the New Testament, especially um, especially in Ephesians and Romans, Paul talks about how God chose us before the foundation of the world in his love. 
this doesn't mean that God looked ahead and saw that, oh, Jacob would be the better person, or he, or he looked ahead and said, oh, Jacob's the one who's going to believe, therefore I'm going to choose him. That kind of a thing wouldn't mean anything when it comes to predestination, because it would still put our faith first. It would be saying, well, God chose us because we would believe, it being our faith would be the, the, the cause, which caused God to choose us. But that's not the case. The Bible is very clear that we believe because God chose us, if not that God chose us because we believe. So we is a source of comfort for us to know that, that God has chosen us before we were even born. On the other hand, does that mean that God did not choose Esau or that God rejected Esau? And the answer there is absolutely not. The Apostle Paul, again, Ephesians and Romans both are very is very clear about that. Maybe more so in Ephesians than in Romans. Uh, that God does not choose, okay, well, I'm going to forsake this person. I don't want them. I'm going to choose them to go to hell. And we're going to see that in the account as well. Uh, Esau lost his birthright because he despised it and sold it. Uh, it was because of his sin and his despising of God's grace that he lost it, not because God decided that beforehand that he should lose it. Those are matters that <clears throat> are maybe a little bit above the, the Sunday school kids' heads, which is fine. Uh, but things for you to ponder as you consider the story and so that you can understand it better yourself. And also in simpler ways, uh, the kids might have questions about that, especially the older kids. So first of all, uh, Isaac and Rebecca are married and uh, Rebecca is uh, not having any children. Isaac goes to God in prayer. We see the, the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man there. Uh, for the sake of his wife, and God answers the prayer. Always a good reminder for us to, to bring everything to God in prayer. God answers the prayer, and not only does Rebecca have a child, she has two. She has twins. Uh, but they're not getting along, even inside her womb, apparently. They were fighting one another inside her womb, even, and causing her a little bit of trouble, a, lot, a little bit of distraction. So she goes to the Lord uh, in prayer as well, and the Lord reveals to her his plan his plan is that the younger would the younger would be master over the older that the blessing would go to the younger which is contrary to old to ancient tradition where the elder always received the birthright and the blessing isaac and jacob well abram isaac and jacob all three are for us a example a picture of the entire God's entire plan of salvation. In Abraham, we have the man of faith who's waiting, looking for the promise, and he's waiting a long time for that child that God had promised him. And so the Old Testament believers waited as well for the child, the coming of Christ. They waited by promise. They waited not knowing, not seeing, but trusting in God's promise. And so the Old Testament believers are waiting there for that promised son who was to come just as Abraham waited for that promised son. And then we have Isaac, was a picture of Christ in so many different ways. He's even sacrificed or almost sacrificed on the very spot where Jesus would be sacrificed for our sins. And now we have Isaac's children, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob is very much a picture of the New Testament church. Jacob is the one who, by custom, should not have received the promise, should not have received the blessing. And yet God chose him to receive it anyway, just like us, Gentiles, uh, should not have received the blessing, the promise by inheritance. Uh, it was for the Jews, right? But nevertheless, uh, God chose us anyway and called us into his church. And then Esau, 
And the one who should have received the blessing lost it because uh, he despised it, just like the, the Israelites, those who didn't believe anyway, lost the promise because they despised that promise as well. And then this whole wrestling with God, which is so much a part of Jacob's life, and we see that from the very beginning. Jacob is a wrestler. Uh, he's one who's wrestling for, for what he wants. And he doesn't get it until we, and we're, again, we're going to talk more about that next week. Uh, well, in the next Sunday school lesson, anyway. He doesn't get it until he's blessed by God. All his wrestling, all his striving uh, accomplishes nothing, but the grace of God gives him everything. And that really comes to a head in the story of when Jacob returns after his time with Laban. Uh, however, that's that's our life, isn't it? That's, that's the life of the New Testament church, always wrestling with God. Uh, the New Testament believer, so many of us are always trying to get what we want or, or what we think is good what with our own strength our own good works etc and we don't ever get anywhere until we receive the blessing from god and so you you see that in the life of jacob that wrestling with god that we do not only as unbelievers before coming to christ but even afterwards so much of our life is that wrestling with god that pain and suffering of the christian believer and that not understanding the worry all the problems that affect us in our, in this life and trying to to square that with God's promises and trying to, to learn how to trust God's promises. And so we're, we're kind of constantly wrestling with God. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, very much a picture of the entire church, Old Testament, Jesus himself, and the, and the New Testament believers as well. Uh, Jacob and Esau, uh, an example of that, the one who despises and loses the birthright, and Jacob, the one who receives by God's grace and God's blessing that birthright. Uh, Esau it comes out first. He's the older. They're twins, but Esau is slightly older, just barely older. He comes out first, and uh, he's kind of have a reddish, hairy complexion. We find out just how hairy he is later, and so he's called Esau, which means red. Jacob comes up next and is grabbing Esau's heel, and is called Jacob. Jacob to us sounds like such a nice name, but it means deceitful one. It means heel grabber. So in Hebrew. A heel grabber was was someone who was deceitful. Instead of you know, instead of standing up and fight and fighting man to man, right? He's sneaking behind and, and grabbing your heel uh, is kind of the idea to 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 trip you up, uh, to deceive you. And so this is the name given to Jacob, the deceiver, uh, the heel grabber. It's really not <laughs> not a very nice name, uh, but it's a very apt description of Jacob. Not only because he's he's holding on to Esau's heal when he comes out because his whole life uh, is like that trying to get what he wants through deceit the name of jacob is very important in scripture as well as the name god gives him of israel in john chapter one when jesus is talking to nathaniel uh, he says behold an israelite indeed in whom there is no guile and you notice Jesus' plays on the two names of Jacob. The first name that he's given at birth means guile, right? It means deceitful one. The second name, Israel, means the one who has struggled with God and won. And so Jesus calls Nathaniel to Nathaniel. You say, okay, a true Israelite, one who, who truly has received God's blessing, who is not the deceitful <laughs> Jacob uh, that we meet here in our story before, uh, the, before Jacob learns to trust God later in his life. And so there's a lot of a lot of history in there, and Jesus is talking to Nathaniel, and that name is important in other places as well. 
Uh, so Isaac and uh, Jacob are both born, and God reveals to Rebekah uh, his plan that Jacob is going to be the one to receive the blessing. Whether Isaac knew about this at this time, whether Rebekah told him, whether God revealed it to Isaac and Rebekah, we don't know. We know he revealed it to Rebekah. The two brothers grow up, and, well, brothers fight, right? <laughs> but uh, these two especially so. And then you have the story when they're maybe teenagers, or we don't know how old they were, but <clears throat> older than older than little boys. And Esau's out hunting, comes back, he's famished from, from a day of hunting, and uh, Jacob has been making stew, and, and Esau wants some of Jacob's stew, and Jacob sees a chance to get what he wants. Oh, I'm not going to give you the stew unless you sell me your birthright. Now, that was kind of not exactly deceitful of Jacob. He's straight out honest about what he wants. I'll give you stew for your birthright. But it wasn't very loving of him towards his brother as well. Uh, I'm not going to give you a bowl of stew unless you give me what you want. And he should have been willing to share. Uh, brothers should share. Uh, but uh, what uh, Esau does in return is, is far more sinful. He despises the promise and the grace of God. And obviously Esau is goes so overboard here. Oh, I'm going to die if I don't get the stew. I mean, obviously, Esau could have taken the time to make some food himself. He obviously wasn't going to die, but he's not willing to do that. He cares so little about that birthright, and the, the birthright is the promise of the Savior. Uh, that That's very clear later on, and Esau understands that, that what he's giving away is the right to be the line, to be the one in line for the coming of the Savior and receive the full blessing of Abraham, the, the blessing that God had given to Abram to receive as his own. But he, he just despises it. He thinks so little of it uh, that he sells it for one, one bowl of stew. And how often isn't it that we sell out our God, you know, give up on God, give up on Christ? Who cares about heaven? Who cares about the life to come? Who cares about God's commandments? Who cares about Jesus? Just for some brief momentary happiness in this world. Uh, and how sad that is that we esteem, we value God and his word and his promises so little as Esau did. Uh, so he sells his birthright just, just for a bowl of stew. And then years later, Isaac is very old, um, near to death, apparently. His eye, he can't really see anymore. His eyesight is, is gone. But he knows that he's, he needs to give his children their blessings before he dies. So he calls Esau in and tells him to go hunting and prepare the stew, and he's going to bless him when he comes back. Now, Rebecca's listening at the door, and there again we see that Rebecca, instead of trusting her husband, instead of going in, even if she had some doubts as to what her husband was going to do, she could have gone in to talk to him, right, and said, well, you know, God said that, that Jacob should have received, was supposed to receive the blessing. No, she decides that she knows better, and uh, instead of discussing it with her husband or trusting her husband, which would have been best, uh, she decides she has to take things in her own hand, and she has to do it through trickery and deceit, because she knows best, and she's going to make sure that things happen her way. And how often isn't that our attitude as well? Instead of trusting God, instead of trusting one another, nope, i got to make sure it's done my way, because my way is right. Uh, even when we're sure that our way is right, that doesn't give us the right to sin, does it? Uh, so often we think, well, I know that this is the right thing to do, and so the ends justify the means. Uh, it doesn't matter how I get there because the important thing is getting there, and that's not what Scripture teaches at all. Scripture teaches us to, to trust the Lord and to do what is right, not to, not to do what is wrong for the sake of 
while we think the the end will be better if we do what is wrong, but to trust the Lord, uh, to do what is right, and to know that he will work everything for good. Uh, Rebecca does not do that. Uh, Jacob um, is a little hesitant, but goes along with his mother. Uh, maybe he kind of felt pressured, like, well, i got to obey my mother, and, and we should obey our parents. So there, there you've got the fourth commandment there. But the scripture is also clear, we ought to obey God rather than man. Uh, so the one and only time when we should disobey our authorities, like parents, like government, etc., is when they're asking us to do something which is clearly contrary to God's word. This was clearly contrary to God's word for Jacob to deceive, lie to his father like he was going to do. And, you know, in the end, one of the things we're going to see is that Isaac, when he gives the blessing to eat who he thinks is Esau, uh, it's Jacob in disguise, but Isaac thinks he's giving the blessing to Esau, does not say anything about that promise of the Messiah. We're going to talk about that more in a little bit as well. But, you know, Rebecca decides she needs to trick her husband because she's sure that uh, Esau is going to give the promise of the Messiah, the blessing of Abraham, to the wrong child. But when Isaac thinks he's talking to Esau, he doesn't give him that. Uh, so Rebecca could have trusted Isaac instead of going behind his back and causing all of this, this problem. So uh, Jacob uh, or uh, Rebecca cooks the stew while Jacob uh, prepares himself to go in. And while he's worried that his father is going to touch his skin and find out how smooth he is, whereas Esau is a hairy man, so he puts the sheepskin on his hands and on his arms and also on his neck, which shows you just how incredibly hairy Esau must have been if putting sheep's skin, a wool from a, a goat or a sheep on his arms was a good imitation of Esau's, Esau's hairiness. And anyway, uh, it works. <laughs> he brings the stew in. Uh, the, I, Isaac, or sorry, yeah, Isaac is a little confused. He's like, well, you don't sound like Esau, and how did you get back here so quickly? But uh, Jacob reassures him that he's it. he is Esau. He not only lies to him, but he lies to him using God's name. So there we have the second commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But, uh, but Jacob uses God's name saying, Oh, God help me to, to get the animal so quickly. That's why I was able to return to you so quickly. So not only is he deceitful lying, but he's bringing God into it, uh, adding sin on top of sin. Uh, Jacob gives to, sorry, Isaac gives to Jacob, whom he thinks is Esau, the blessing. But again, look at that blessing carefully. What did Isaac say that was good? What did Isaac say that was bad? Isaac apparently did know what God had said, at least at this point he did, because he doesn't give to the person he thinks is Esau the full blessing of Abraham. Uh, he doesn't talk about inheriting the land of Canaan. He doesn't talk about the promise of the Messiah. However, he does talk about him being master over his brother. And that also was contrary to what God had said. God said, the older will serve the younger. So even though it seems as though Isaac is partially listening to God, he's saving the blessing of Abraham for Jacob. Because again, he thinks it's Esau he's talking to right now. He kind of like tries to get away with as much as he thinks he thinks he can. Uh, he, he's saving the the best part of the blessing of Abraham. Okay, I have to save that for for Jacob, but he's 
also saying things to the the person he thinks is Esau that God had said, no, that, that, that should go to Jacob as well. And how often isn't that the case when God tells us, do this or do that, and we try and see, well, how, how much can I get away with? God says, don't cross the line, and we just stick our toe over. And then we stick, you know, half the foot over. Well, I'm not really across God. I only got my toe over. Isaac, he's listening to God, but he's also trying to get away with what he can get away with here. And he's not really uh, obeying the intent of what God said. So Isaac's not entirely without blame in this as well. Uh, no sooner does Isaac finish blessing Jacob and Jacob leaves than Esau comes back and prepares to stew and comes in and Isaac is distraught. Uh, the Bible says he's trembling uh, when he find, when he realizes what happens because he, he probably partially because he knows that what how angry Esau is going to be and probably also just upset that his wife and his son would do this for him do this to him. Uh, Esau pleads for some blessing, and so Isaac does give him what blessing he can, although the blessing that he gives to Esau is less than what Esau wanted. And notice how Esau immediately gets angry and blames Jacob. It's Esau's own fault. He sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. He cannot complain that, well, I, you know, this was God just passed me up and uh, oh it's all Jacob and and Rebecca's fault they certainly did sin against him but uh, Esau sold his birthright for you know a bowl of a bowl of stew uh, he had promised that Jacob could have it he despised it and didn't care about it and so it, it was gone um, but all instead of admitting his own sin instead of confessing his own sin and repenting he just turns in anger to find to be angry with the sins of his brother the sins of his brother uh, find someone else to blame rather than accept the fault for himself. And not only that, but he allows that anger to build and grow within him. That reminds us all the way back to Cain and Abel. The same thing again. Uh, God said, you know, sin waits for you. Crouches at the door. Those sinful desires are waiting to consume you. And we see how anger and hatred in Esau's case uh, did consume him. So that Jacob decides, no, I have to escape. I have to get away from this. So Jacob goes back in and tells his dad he's got to leave before his brother Esau kills him. His mom knows he's got to leave before his brother Esau kills him. And now Jacob, no, or sorry, Isaac, knowing that it's Jacob he's talking to, blesses him again. And here we see the blessing of Abraham. In fact, that's even what uh, Isaac calls it. He says, may God bless you, make you fruitful, multiply you. May you be an assembly of people, right? That's the, the multiply and give the land of Canaan to him. And give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants that you may inherit the land. Uh, so Isaac was trying to get away with a little bit when he, was when he thought it was talking to Esau. But he does, for the most part, follow what God had said. The blessing of Abraham goes to Jacob. Isaac knew that. He waited till it was Jacob whom he was talking to before he, he gave it to him. If Rebecca and Isaac had respected, trusted one another, and talked to one another a little more, it's not entirely Rebecca's fault. Uh, Isaac probably should have talked to her about it before just going ahead with giving the blessing uh, to Esau. Uh, they had talked to each other like a, a an, honored one and honored and loved one another like a husband and wife are supposed to may have avoided all of these problems uh jacob had put his trust in the lord would have avoided all these problems esau hadn't um sold his birthright for a bowl of stew but here's the sin 
that is infecting this family and causing all these problems. But of course, the sin of man creates problems. The grace of God uses all things for the good of those who love him and for bringing about the promises that he had made. So it's a, the reason that Jacob has to run away is not so great, but God does use it for good. It was God's plan that Jacob should return to the land of Haran, that Jacob should marry someone from, his, from you know, Abraham's family, not one of the Canaanites, and, and then come back. And so uh, God does use this to accomplish his will uh, to, to cause Isaac, or Jacob uh, to, to marry the daughters of Laban instead of uh, some Canaanite women. And so uh, in all of our sin, we nevertheless see God's grace and God's glory not happy with our sin, but fixing the problems that we cause as well. And like I said, we can look forward to the next lesson in which God does bring Esau and Jacob back together and even causes that hatred in Esau to go away. And there's reconciliation between Jacob and Esau later on. Let me know if you have any questions. The Lord bless your Sunday school lesson and your study of his word.